from the Sports and Recreation Center on the campus of the College of Staten Island. It's time for the Dolphin Pod, the official College of Staten Island Athletics podcast. With your hosts, David Pizzuto. Smith with a wide open Palinkovic to her left. Palinkovic one-on-one against Mike Camp and it's in. Versada Palinkovic from Narmina Brachic all sprung off the little tap in the backfield by Laval. A great one, two, three punch for the Dolphins, and they're up one nothing. And Joseph Foreman. And the 2-2 is hit out to left center. And if that one gets to the wall, this game could be over. Cutting it off is Windsor. It gets away from him. Here comes Miola. The relay throw to the plate. Not in time. And the Dolphins win it in the bottom half of the ninth inning. A walk-off RBI double off the bat of John Pomerico. And the Dolphins win it 2-1. to one. In-depth stories, reviews, and previews, interviews, and so much more. It's all right here. And now, for the Dolphin Pod, here are your hosts, Dave and Joe. And welcome, everybody, to the Dolphin Pod here on CSIDolphins.com. It's our second episode of the 2019-2020 year here at CSI. And, uh, Joe, we have a good one uh, on tap uh, for everyone today. We're going to be speaking to assistant men's basketball coach Nicholas Duran. Should be an exciting conversation. The men will begin their season next week down in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. So it should be a very exciting time to speak to Nick. And also, he has a plethora of experience here as an assistant coach at the College of Staten Island. He has spanned more than one head coach his tenure here at CSI. So it should be very interesting to have a chat with him. Yeah, everybody's always excited about basketball season. And we'll kick things off by spotlighting our men's team on this episode here. Uh, Whatever day of the week you're listening to us, whatever time of day, we are broadcasting on Friday, November 8th of 2019. We want to remind everybody uh, at home listening to us that we want you to leave us some feedback for uh, myself or Joe. Uh, We'd be happy to uh, air it over the air and, of course, answer it over the air or offline. And if you have a potential question for one of our guests, we ask that you drop us a line as well. If you have an idea for a future guest as well, we want to hear from you. So, uh, Joe, without further ado, let's get uh, today's Dolphin Pod started. Let's take a look at the week that was at CSI with the Weekly Rewind. It's now time to rewind the week. Your look back into the week that was at CSI. With the Weekly Rewind, here is Joe Foreman. It was only men's and women's swimming and diving on the schedule this week with both basketball squads participating in preseason scrimmages as well. All three events took place last Saturday. First, it was the Knights of Mount St. Mary College visiting the tank for their third all-time meeting with the Dolphins in CSI's second meet of the 2019-2020 season. On the men's side, it was a dominant 155-86 victory to move them to 2-0 on the season. For the women, they were forced to battle back from an early deficit on their way to a 143-101 win. The win on the women's side was their first all-time against the Knights, and they, too, improved to 2-0 on the season. While swimming and diving battled Mount St. Mary in the pool, both men's and women's basketball played their final scrimmages just down the hall in the gym. The men's matchup with Mount St. Mary and the women's matchup against New Paltz serve as their last preseason tune-ups before getting underway in the coming days. The women will officially tip off tomorrow on the road against New Haven, while the men will open in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, against Nova Southeastern University on Wednesday. Also this past week, it was announced that women's soccer head coach Brittany Caceres will be stepping down after two seasons with the team. She will depart having won a CUNYAC championship and being named CUNYAC Coach of the Year in her first season at the helm. This past season, her team went unbeaten against the CUNYAC for the second consecutive year and picked up their first win over a Division II opponent in program history. 
Yeah, Joe. So, you know, we didn't get a chance to talk a lot about women's soccer last week because we focused on the men's side. But, uh, you know, although it was a very abridged career for Brittany Caceres, very successful uh, first uh, year entry into Division Two, really guided the team nicely, took care of business in the CUNY. And that's what uh, CSI wanted to see. She leaves the uh, program on pretty capable footing. Certainly does. And that first season was very impressive, as I mentioned, unbeaten against the CUNYAC and did play John Jay to a draw late in their 2019 campaign, but still a very stellar performance against the CUNYAC conference all season long, hardly trailed against CUNYAC opponents this year. And of course, last year went all the way to the CUNYAC championship where they handled John Jay fairly easily, a six to two victory for the Dolphins in that matchup with the Bloodhounds. So a very strong finish to last year. Another strong season this year. You have to like the way the team responded. Some much tougher competition along the way. Played a few Division II opponents and some very tough Division Three opponents as well. And I think the team did progressively improve as the season went on. Unfortunately, it culminated with a 6-7-1 and record, but still a stellar tenure for Caceres at the helm. And of course, a great friend of our department as well. Yeah, without a doubt. And, you know, dating back to even before Brittany, uh, CSI women's soccer hasn't lost a CUNY game or didn't lose a CUNY game since 2016. So you're talking about three plus seasons of CUNY dominance. So best of luck to Brittany, um, you know, in the future, obviously. And uh, we thank her for her years of service. Joe, the only other thing that really stood out to me from this past weekend was you mentioned it in your in your recap, CSI women's swimming, winning for the first time ever against Mount St. Mary. Uh, last year, they lost to Mount St. Mary College by over 60 points, and they came out with a big uh, with a big win uh, this time around. Mount St. Mary, you know, suffered a little bit from numbers, but at the same time, that's a nice performance uh, for the women. And to start out 2-0 on both sides, that's got to feel good for head coach Mike Acolytis and his staff. It absolutely does. And a big part of that women's victory over Mount St. Mary's, once again, the performance of Deirdre McCafferty. She set a new pool and school record in that event as well. It was in the 1,000-yard freestyle. That evened up the score at 15 early in that meet. The Dolphins trailed early on big in that meet. They battled Mount St. Mary back and forth on the women's side, that is. But about the point where diving entered into the picture, you mentioned the Dolphins thriving in large part because of numbers in some cases, and the Dolphins were able to dive unopposed in that event. And from that point forward, the women really seized control of their half of the meet. The men dominated from start to finish, had a sizable lead early, were able to maintain that lead all the way through the conclusion of the meet. Both the men and women improving to 2-0. and A very strong start to the season for both sides. They will be in action once again tonight, as you'll mention later in your week ahead. Absolutely. So why don't we take a look at the week ahead? We'll take a look at what's on tap. This is the weekly preview. The Dolphin Pod now brings you what's on tap at CSI with the weekly preview. Get in the game. Here's what's happening. Okay, well, the action will kick off uh, tonight where the CSI men's and women's swimming and diving teams will take on York College. It's a 5 p.m. start at the Sports and Recreation Center uh, for the Dolphins programs. It's their first match against CUNY competition of the season. Uh, Swimming will continue tomorrow afternoon for just the women's side as they will host Hunter College at 12 noon tomorrow at the Sports and Rec Center. Hunter does not sponsor a men's team, so it is a women's swimming and diving only uh, matchup there. Also tomorrow, the women's basketball team will tip off officially their season. They uh, travel to the University of New Haven. That start time, 5.30 p.m. tip. Once again, that's on Saturday uh, into the evening. 
Uh, play from there doesn't pick up until Tuesday, the 12th of November. Women's basketball will be back in action this time for their home opener against a familiar opponent in William Patterson University. That'll be a 6 p.m. jump right here at the tank. Once again, women's basketball against William Patterson. It will be their home opener. And then from there, the men's basketball team takes center stage. They'll be in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Uh, they'll tip off their season officially on Wednesday, November 13th as they will tip off against Nova Southeastern University at 4 o'clock. And then the very next day, it'll be Thursday, November 14th. They will travel to Barry University, a 1 p.m. start there. That'll wrap up their two-game Florida trip. Uh, Joe will be there with the team for that. And then on Friday, the next day, men's and women's swimming picks back up a big, big uh, meet against um, Baruch College, one of the uh, opponents who uh, they've always been looking up in the standings to uh, for the most part. 6 p.m. start there for the men and the women. They will be swimming and diving. Both men and women will be in the pool once again Friday, November 15th, CSI versus Baruch. That is the week ahead. Joe, a lot of action right here at the Sports and Rec Center and especially on the road with basketball. And you can catch most of that action here at the Tank, if not all of it, I do believe, on CSI Sports. And as we are now streaming swimming, something we didn't do for every meet last year, we will be doing that this year. You mentioned the meet against York tonight, a program the Dolphins have really handled very well in the past. I believe they're unbeaten on both the men's and women's side against the Cardinals. I think it's a 12-0 mark for the two sides against York, so a lot of success against the Cardinals for CSI. But something I'm really looking forward to is tomorrow's meet against Hunter. Hunter has typically fared very well against the College of Staten Island in the past. We mentioned the success the women had against Mount St. Mary's College last week, and they certainly believe they can give the Hawks a competitive meet and ultimately come away with the victory. It should be very exciting to watch if you're a fan of CSI Dolphins at athletics that's one that you won't want to miss and of course you mentioned women's basketball and men's basketball both tipping off i will be alongside the men's team in florida but for women's basketball i will be watching on csi sportsnet come tuesday but ahead of that a couple of very exciting swim meets tonight one tonight and another tomorrow first against york tonight against hunter tomorrow i'll definitely be here for both of those meets catching the dolphins in action and i look forward especially to tomorrow's matchup with hunter college yeah and multimedia will be a huge presence uh for both of us this week as I'll be following the men's basketball action uh, with some live streams that they'll have in, in Florida to keep me uh, up to date on the men's season. And of course, uh, it all culminates with Friday's uh, meet against Baruch. That's also here at the Sports and Rec Center. The swim teams, of course, uh, spending the majority of their early season right here at home. And um, on the women's side, Hunter's always been the standard. On the men's side, it's been CSI. And in the other school has been Baruch. So that should be a really terrific meet next Friday as well. So uh, it's still early in the competitive seasons for all four of our winter sports. And they all have some pretty big matchups this week. The openers, of course, for basketball, the, the swim meets. And, uh, you know, Joe, I know we're going to speak a lot more more about men's basketball with with Nick Duran for women's basketball they scored a nice win it's a scrimmage against New Paltz but New Paltz nationally ranked coming into the season so that uh that date against William Patterson that home opener on Tuesday that's one that we're circling on the calendar we absolutely are it's been a very competitive all-time series between the two sides Dolphins six and eight all-time against the Pioneers. They took last year's meeting at William Patterson by a final score of 71-56, to 56, but should be a good barometer of where they are at this point in the season. Some new players coming on, a lot of returning players, key players. You can check that out in our season preview now, available live online at csidolphins.com. But last year for the College of Staten Island, it was a good season. Didn't end the way they wanted. They were bounced in the CUNYAC tournament, but still a successful 
2018-2019 campaign for the College of Staten Island. Last year, they played to a 19-8 record, 12-4 in the CUNYAC Conference before ultimately falling to Brooklyn College in the CUNYAC Tournament on the road. Of course, they won't be a part of that tournament this year, but we'll get a look at some new competition from the ECC as well on their 2019-2020 slate. And speaking of women's basketball, we will have women's basketball junior Megan McEwen on the show uh, next week. So next Friday on the Dolphin Pod, it will be Megan McEwen uh, joining us. And we'll have a lot more in-depth discussion on women's basketball. But for now, we will turn our attention to men's basketball. Joe and I will take a break. When we come back, Nicholas Duran, assistant coach, will sit down with us right here on the Dolphin Pod. Stay with us. You're listening to the Dolphin Pod right here on CSIDolphins.com. Champions know how to seize opportunities. When they see moments of greatness unfold right before their eyes, they push as hard as they possibly can. And then they push harder. Because the heart of a champion never settles, never quits, and never stops giving its all. We are champions. We are Division II. We go big, we give it everything we've got, and we win on the field, on our campuses, in our communities, for our causes, in our careers. We rise to become champions in everything we do. We are Division II, and there are no limits here. We make our time count. We set our own path. We become champions on our terms. It's time to up your game because we're here to play and learn. But most importantly, we're here to discover ourselves, our vision, our heart, our drive to achieve every goal we aim for because we want to be champions at the highest level, life. At Division Two, the opportunities are here. Are you ready? Welcome back to the Dolphin Pod right here on CSIDolphins.com. And we are back right here on the Dolphin Pod. Today is Friday, November 8, 2019, and it's time now for our featured segment here on the Dolphin Pod. Joe and I are sitting with assistant men's basketball coach Nicholas Duran. Nick, thanks for joining us. Of course. Excited to be here. Excited to be with you guys today. Yep, and we are excited, obviously, for basketball season, one of the marquee uh, times of the year for us and obviously for a lot of Dolphins fans, a lot of people who, who um, you know, follow our, our program. And, you know, Nick, it's, it's interesting because as we were preparing for this interview and, and kind of, you know, prepping our, our, you know, our minds for questions to ask you, you know, it kind of dawned on me that um, you've been with the team now for five years and yep. that makes you the dean of CSI basketball coaches, <laughs> men's or women's. You've, you've been here the longest. So, you know, that, how does that make you feel? I mean, you've been here for half a decade already. Well, I mean, I've never really thought about it like <laughs> that. But um, when you put it like that, um, it, it's a really cool experience. Again, I, I grew up right down the block. So it's like something I've always known about, not always been a part of. So like once I got the position here, like it felt like home right away. Um, and then I, I just feel very comfortable here on a, a daily basis, just everybody that works here. Um, and then the changes that I've seen through the time is literally amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, coming from that first year here and then how just the building grew, how the people grew, how the whole program grew is, is honestly crazy. Yeah. And you're a relatively young man and, and obviously you weren't, 
um, you weren't really that removed from your playing career uh, in college from getting the position here. Uh, tell us about your your college experience. I know you played at Wesley. Yeah. Um, you know, tell me a little bit about that time in your life. Um, yeah, going to Wesley was a really cool experience. Um, uh, it's in Dover, Delaware, uh, right down the block from Delaware State, the Dover Downs. So it was a real cool environment there. Um, a lot more slow paced than this. Uh, the basketball side of it, um, my uh, my freshman year was tough. I didn't really get into many games, but we were a nationally ranked program at the time. So it was cool to see that part of Division Three because, you know, coming out of high school, you never think of Division Three as like a big experience. You think of it as like, oh, I'm going to a Division Three school. But what what um, the coaches, what the programs put in, it, it's it's just as big as a Division One program. It's just on a smaller scale. Um, my time there was amazing. I I learned a lot. Uh, I got to play with some great players. Uh, we went to the NCAA tournament twice when I was there. Um, we went on, on some great trips as well. Like we went to Bahamas one year. Um, another year we went down to Maryland. And then another year we went down to Florida. We played in the Disney complex. So um, that program like through kind of shaped my coaching career as my coach treated us, you know, complete family. It was it was always a big family thing, and that's how TJ is. He's huge on that, and even Coach Patoza was huge on that. So um, he kind of shaped that I wanted to be a coach. And the assistant coaches there, they put me on the map of, like, if you want to stay with basketball and you want to do something, like you want to get into the college game because it keeps you close as a family instead of coaching at a high school level where, you know, you're around the kids, but you're not truly around them in a family environment. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, I coached at Port Richmond High School for two years under Coach G, who was my high school coach. And uh, when the position opened here, I actually saw it in the Staten Island Advance. A little shout out for them. Uh, so um, I saw it in there. I applied. Uh, me and Potoza had a relationship already because he recruited me. Um, then I came in, and then that first year was just on to the works. Got it. Well, you mentioned you grew up right down the block. That makes two of us. I also grew up right down the block from the College of Staten Island. My path to a permanent home here began as a student. You just mentioned briefly how your path here began with an ad in Staten Island Advance, but what was the biggest transition for you from a playing career to the beginning of a career in coaching? Um, the hardest part is realizing that you don't truly have a, a, a big impact on the game while it's going on because the players are out there and they have to play. So, like, you can put whatever schemes you want to put together. You can put whatever game plan you want to put together. But you have to have the trust of your players. And that's why, like, recruiting is such a big thing that I've learned is you need complete control or you don't have complete control when they're on the court. And that's, like, the hardest part is because you got to sit there the whole game and it's kind of like you're, you're itching to get out there because you were just playing and you were just in those situations. So... It was very tough, like getting used to that at the beginning because you get very antsy and um, coming in and coaching under somebody like Coach Patoza, He was very calm, cool and collective. So it was more like, you know, he was telling me, like, relax, relax, relax all the time. So um, yeah, that's a hard transition coming from player to coach is just figuring out, you know, where you can put your imprint on the game and, and when to say things and when not to say things. You touched on recruiting there for just a moment, and we've heard TJ's philosophy on recruiting in the past, and we've talked about with him how he evaluates talent in the past. But for you, you mentioned how important it is to have a family atmosphere around the team. Do you look for that when you're participating in the recruiting process and a student athlete that's looking to come in? What do you look for from them in that respect? Of course. I think that's one of the biggest things in the recruiting is really getting to know the kid. 
like you can find kids that can play basketball almost anywhere. And, um, you know, kids that we have on the team now, like uh, Rigo Destine, he's somebody I went out to Long Island to see, you know, a handful, maybe even 10 times. Um, I would sit in two hours of traffic to watch his game and then talk to him after. And um, just getting to know them personally is kind of what recruiting is all about. Like there's always going to be, you know, talent and then there's going to be talent with a good personality and with a somebody that you could trust to bring into your family. So even like Shamal Martin, when we went and recruited him almost every game, you know, standing and talking to him after the game is kind of better than going to watch him play because you're getting to know the kid before they get here. So you don't want to bring in kids that are going to ruin what you're doing. So like we have such a good chemistry and we have such a good core right now. You don't want to bring in somebody that could kind of ripple that effect. So like um, everybody that we've been bringing in have been the first question we kind of ask is, do they click with our guys? Will they click with our guys? And then will there be any backlash or anything like that? So it's kind of more of a personality effect, I think, um, is really important. And then I think the talent comes next because if you're playing competitive high school level, the talent's there. But the personality, the, the caring atmosphere, and then caring about the school itself is not always there. So I think that's very important. Yeah, I think it's it's uh, it's great that you mentioned chemistry, Nick, because something that Coach Patozo always used to say is, you know, basketball doesn't mean anything if you don't have quality people in the building. Uh, it starts there, and you know what what strikes me a lot is that um, is that the players have that uh, you know have that chemistry, but also the coaching staff needs a lot of chemistry as well. And I know that uh, Coach Patozo was very high on a staff that was very close and very involved and. Um, obviously with, with the staff that you guys now have with TJ at the helm and, and JC and Kurt and Oren, um, there's a family atmosphere there as well. What a lot of people don't see behind the scenes is just how many hours a week you guys spend together. So tell me a little bit about how important that chemistry is to, uh, to a team, any team, whether it's division one, two, and three, um, how important it is to have uh, a coaching staff that's kind of unified and gets along and, uh, is able to really have that chemistry the same way the players do yeah I feel like um this coaching staff especially is one of the most unique coaching staffs like that I've ever seen been a part of heard about anything um the big thing is we're all friends and like even bigger than that we're all family because uh, a lot of us have known each other for so many years mm-hmm. um I've known TJ since I was a young kid we played uh St. Adalbert's together uh JC I knew since um high school we played high school against each other and then we stayed in touch through the years. Kurt, I knew from working a day camp here. Um, and then Oren, we met uh, once TJ brought him in. But we all clicked right away. And uh, we all think the same basketball-wise. We all think the same program-wise. So it's very easy. We do disagree on things. But it's easy for us to come out and say. Mm-hmm. So like when we're having a conversation, it's not like somebody's holding something back and says it differently. I mean, we sit in that office for hours, especially after a loss. Mm-hmm just trying to figure it out and we have great conversations and I think a lot of our game planning and a lot of what we do through the season changes because we sit there and talk. Mm -hmm. So like I'm super grateful for how TJ approaches everything because he, he literally makes you put an imprint on it rather than giving you the option. So there's times where like, you know, he asks you personally, what do you think about this in front of everybody? And if you give an answer that he doesn't like, he says something. If you give an answer that Kurt doesn't like, he says something. So it's very open, and, and I feel like we get a lot from it. 
So from us sitting and talking, like it never feels like it's wasted time. It does feel like it's long time sometimes, <laughs> but it's definitely not wasted time. And um, I think we get a lot out of being so close. And I think the kids get that too, because it's just constant jokes and constant getting on each other, which is great because that's our personalities and that's how we go about things. And that's how the team kind of is. Mm -hmm. So it really just flows together very nicely. And I think the kids get the most chemistry from us just feeding it off and being ourselves and being close friends. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's, it's funny because that's, that's an area where I think coach Patoza is a little different than coach Tibbs where, you know, coach Patoza definitely can fool around and and crack a (laughs) joke and, and be sarcastic. Uh, but you know, there, there was a certain kind of business approach to him. Whereas, you know, TJ is a little bit more loose. There's music at practice. There's a lot of, you know, he's playing with the kids sometimes, or he's showing them what to do. And so, but at the same time, there's a lot of those same ties that bind, you know, TJ did play for coach Patoza, picked up a lot from him. What are some of the nuances that you see are very similar working under Patoza and Tibbs and then things that are altogether completely different in a, in, in a good way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, some of the, the similarities are definitely, um, attention to detail, you know, things are there. Tibbs is a little more attention to detail. You know, if he tells you to be in one spot, you got to be in that spot exactly where he said. Um, but they do a lot of the same. It's a lot of, you know, habits and rituals every day. So, our our opening practice is always the same thing, working on things we want them to do every play, you know, jump stopping, pivoting, ball handling, things that are that are dominant in the game. We practice on a daily basis and we do the same drills so that when they don't do it in the game, it's just like, why aren't you doing it from the drill? And that's what Potoza was the biggest at. Like we ran into a situation, Tibbs' first year coaching. Um, we were, We said after a game, I don't understand why the kids aren't jumping to the wall. And there was a drill Patoza did every day that was very boring. And if he hears this, he'll probably be mad. But it was a drill where the ball starts with, at the top of the key. He passes it to the side where a coach would stand. And the kid would have to jump to the ball. And then he'd get off the court and the next kid would go again. So as you can see, on a daily basis, that could be pretty boring. Mm-hmm. But it was something we did every day. And that builds it into what you do so you don't even think about it. Mm-hmm. So one day we were sitting in the back after a loss and we're talking and he says, I don't understand why our kids don't jump to the ball. And I said, well, we don't do the drill that Patoza did. And he said, that makes a lot of sense. So <laughs> some things that you think aren't important or you don't think will have a true effect on the game. You just, you do them every day. And I think that's where their similarities are is you stick to what you want the kids to do. And if you practice it on a daily basis, there's no reason why they can't do it in the games. Great. And then obviously a lot of the uh, differences are the music. <laughs> uh, I mean, if a pin drop dropped in the gym while Potoza was practicing, he was in a different mood. Mm-hmm. So um, TJ's very relatable to the kids mm-hmm. on the fact of music and joking. And but once it gets serious, it gets serious. So he has TJ has his time before practice, does his half court shots, jokes around during stretches. And then once practice starts, it's practice time. So I think the difference between them really is just TJ knows when to turn it on and off Mm. very well. So it's the beginning of practice. Everybody's loose. Everybody feels good. And then once practice starts, practice starts. So um, I think he really really knows how to get both sides out of the kids on a daily basis. I think Potoza would get it here and there. I think TJ really gets it on a daily basis of just – 
fully connecting with with the kid on the team. So terrific. You just spoke a lot about the culture of the team. And I got a brief glimpse of that culture yesterday at the media day for men's and women's basketball. It was a fun time. Music blasting, as you mentioned, yep. like prior to practice. And practice actually got started right after they wrapped up there. And the music was down by the time I got back upstairs. But in reference to people don't necessarily see on game day, of course, we stream a lot of games. Fans attend the games. What do you think they would be most surprised to learn about the team that they don't necessarily see out there on the court? I mean, from... The first kid on the roster to the last kid on the roster, we have a bunch of clowns. And you saw that yesterday. I mean, it's nonstop, just jokes and laughing, and there's no clicks on the team. There's no this person just hangs out with this person or that person just hangs out with that person. It's just a group of fun. And, I mean, you saw it when everybody went up individually for their media. Like, it was just people were waiting on the edge of their seats. It's just, what is he going to do? What is he going to do? Um, I feel like the kids really click all together. So it's never like, you know, when we have our team meals before games and stuff, it's never people are sitting in different positions. It's just two tables of kids and there's just conversations going across both tables. So um, I think what you don't see, because on game days, it's a little more serious, is just how much they like each other. They really do. It's it's really cool to see because I've, I've never been a part of that as a team i've been a part of it as a coach and it's great to see but i would love to experience it as a player because i mean it's just every day they love to hang out with each other and i feel like you don't get that everywhere you get it certain places but i don't think you get it everywhere i think we really have something special on just the kids alone off of basketball and i think basketball we're very special Something else that I think is very exciting for a player. The last two years, unfortunately, ended a bit disappointing fashion. The NCAA Division Three tournament game against Cabrini and then last year's CUNYAC tournament game against Baruch. Those are two games that I had a blast. One I attended, another we covered at Cabrini. A lot of fun for us and I'm sure a ton of fun for the coaches and players oh, yeah. to participate in. But you spoke about some of the tough conversations that you have among coaches and with the coaches and players before. What were the conversations like after a pair of tough losses like that with the team or among the coaches? Uh, the the Cabrini one alone, I mean, we really couldn't have a conversation. It was just nothing to say. We gave everything we had as a coaching staff, as a team, I feel like as a program, like even you guys coming to support us when we were down there and, and everything like that. I feel like after we lost, not that we felt like we'd let anyone down. It was just kind of like, that really like especially how you lose at the buzzer after you know edin just hit a three from pretty much half court uh christian played his uh, everything he had he gave on the court and i feel like he really made a name for himself in that game and just everything after that could have been amazing because you saw a team from our pod went all the way to the final four so you know you you, you kind of start thinking about stuff like that after but right after the game we we honestly didn't have much of a conversation like when the kids left I think we all gave each other a hug we all congratulated each other on the year and that was pretty much it like it's it's still a sore that that that's tough to cover um and then last year during the championship I felt like it was the same way um after the game uh Stephen Flagg uh addressed the team because he was our senior um he individually said what he appreciated about everybody which was amazing um and then after the kids left, I mean, we really didn't have much to say because we put everything into it and the ball just didn't bounce our way that day because both situations, we had the game won and it just went the opposite way. So there's not much to say after that game, but um, 
we're all there for each other. So like there was never any like anyone's really down. You just kind of hug each other and you're on the way. And, you know, what stands out about that game, especially last year, you know, against Baruch, you know, Nick, is that, you know, what a lot of other schools don't see or what a lot of other staffs don't see is like, hey, you know what, it's it's about time somebody else wins it, right? Because CSI has been in it, you know, for they've won it the last couple of years and, uh, you know, and, you know, I hate to say that people sometimes it's easy to root against us because, um, you know, because of the success that we have. Do your kids kind of feel that when they're out there? I know, like, as a staff member, sometimes when I'm at games, I feel it because I see the other teams and how amped they get to play us when they're in our building, the things they say in the hallways. And it's nothing sure. bad. It's just more about the extra motivation to play Staten Island because they are that good, because they are the CUNY standard, because they do have this great record. They never have a losing season. Do your kids feel that? Do they sense that? I think they do, and I think they like it. I think it, it's something that we've always, any kid we brought in, you know, as a freshman, you let them know that this is everyone's championship game. And that's how we felt. And that's not anyone saying that. That's how teams play against us and the energy they bring. And you look at, you know, John Jay when they beat us at home last year, like it was a big deal for them. And, and, and willingly it was because we were a great team and they beat us and they beat us good. So um, I think. I think our kids do feel that. I think we, we do express it to them, too, that you're never going to get anybody's soft punch. You're going to get everybody's toughest punch. And, like, you know, we've dropped games over the years that maybe we shouldn't have, but the other teams have played better on those nights mm-hmm. than when they played another team. Because even, you know, you you, rec- you uh, scout a team and, and you look at them on film and then you go and play them, and it's like, well, they've never done that before. <laughs> So um, you you do get that, and I think our kids feed off that. Um, we do have a shirt that says "Welcome to Victory Boulevard" that TJ came up with last year, and I think you know we're on Victory Boulevard, and that's how our kids felt, and the kids love the shirt, and I think they kind of run with that motto is just you know we're the team to beat, and that's that's how they play, and I mean they they do give it almost everything they got every night, and and it's a tough thing to ask from young kids or young men that that every night you got to go out and take the biggest punch in the building and other teams you know really feed off that as well because we go to other gyms and like we went to York last year and dropped one and and it's a tough environment because once you start going down everybody starts licking their chops on we're going to get a win over CSI so it's definitely a cool thing to be a part of in that aspect of you know you never feel like the underdog but you always feel like the hunted so Mm -hmm it's very cool to be to be that that team so that's a great saying actually i never thought of it that way but that's exactly how it feels uh sometimes let's turn the page nick to to talking about this year's team i mean obviously the off season was very eventful csi uh decides to take their talents to division two and um you know we we are accepted uh we're going through a three-year provisional period and there's a lot of Division II talent now on the schedule yeah. for the first time. You're still doing the run-through of the CUNY. So if there wasn't pressure enough, now you have uh, advanced you know, schedule and, and Division II in the ECC kind of looming on the horizon. Tell me a little bit about how the, the kids have kind of welcomed that. Um, you have a majority of, of, of returning kids on the team. There's not a lot of new faces. Yeah. Um, so, so you're bringing back a very seasoned group, but now they have to prepare for something completely different. Tell me about their mindset coming in. Um, I think them as, as any other kid that was going from division three to division two, they, they really like the challenge. I mean, you, you get to play a different type of basketball. Now you get to play something that 
most of these kids thought they were. Like when you're getting recruited, you know, by Division three school, a lot of kids in their junior year say, well, I'm a Division one player. I'm a Division two player. So now all the kids on our team are we're very close to that. We've never recruited kids where we didn't feel like they possibly could get a scholarship. So we've always recruited, you know, kids on the, the borderline of that. And I feel like we have a lot of those kids on our roster that are very borderline of Division three to Division two players. So I feel like that is a big advantage for us. Um, and then, I mean, the way the kids work and the way they worked in the offseason and, you know, lifting more weights and, and putting more time in, I feel like they really took the 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 atmosphere of going from Division two to Division three or Division three to Division two mm-hmm. um, to to their advantage on this one because um, they're really pushing themselves. And every day in practice, you see it and, and how much more they want to learn. So. I think they they really like it. So that transition gets underway next week on Wednesday at Nova Southeastern in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Dave and I spoke about it before. You mentioned that when you were in college, you had some very memorable trips. So we know what to expect on game day from your team. We've seen it in the past. We've seen it on our streams. And hopefully our fans will get to tune in while they're on the road as well. But what exactly do you think this trip will look like from a team bonding perspective? You mentioned some of your memorable trips. What did maybe some of those look like? And how do you expect this one to play out? Yeah, I think um, when you're when you're in college, you don't realize how important the trips are and you don't realize how important locker room and bus trips and away games like that's really what you remember. And Stephen Flagg actually came to a practice two weeks ago and I said, do you miss it while we're in practice? And he said, not this part. So you don't really miss the practices. You're going to miss the games that you played really well. You're going to want to forget the games you played really bad. But I think the trips are what really make your experience. Like the things that I remember the most are, you know, being on the road, being on the bus, having team meals. Like those are the things you truly remember because as as a family, you, those are the things you remember sitting down. You know, when things aren't pressure, when things aren't aren't tough on you, when you just get to sit and hang out. And the group of guys we got, like last year we went down to Virginia. Like, I mean, we were stuck on the vans for 15 hours. So. I mean, we kind of had to be with each other, but no matter what we do is a fun time. So I think going down there, especially for this year, is going to make us even closer, which is kind of crazy because the kids are a little even too close, as you've seen on Media Day yesterday. <laughs> fun so time. It's a great time all the time. So I think when we go down there, it's going to be a blast. And then, you know, we get back and then we go we go right away again on the weekend. So I think it's going to be a really cool experience to spend that much time with each other. I think at the beginning of the year, it works really well because it's just going to make our connection stronger for the year, which we're really going to need because the tough scheduling, it's going to be a tough year. So we're really going to need to stick together and and understand each other on different levels because basketball is a great thing because you got five guys on the court that could all make an impact at one time. So if you all trust each other, it it makes the biggest biggest thing that, that, that could possibly happen on the court is trusting each other. So if you don't trust each other and you guys don't like each other and you have bad trips, I think that's why teams sometimes have the talent, but they don't have that connection. So I think we have the connection, we have the talent. So this trip is going to be a big impact on the season on just getting everybody on the right page from the start. So game day arrives on Wednesday without giving too much away. What's the game plan? Maybe the message to the team, your debut as an NCAA Division II provisional program in the regular season. 
Are you looking to send a message? What are you looking to execute come Wednesday? Um, I wouldn't say anything about sending a message. I think it's more on, for the kids' perspective of it is, you know, no Division II team gave you a scholarship. No Division II school gave you a scholarship. So you're here, and now you have the opportunity to prove something to those people. So that's something that's, you know, extra motivation, but also just a life thing. You know, if you didn't get a job somewhere, you would want to go somewhere else and prove that you're good enough for that job that you wanted. So I think that's kind of the the uh, approach we have to take on it. And just, you know, this is your opportunity to just prove something. So there's no point to back down to competition just because, you know, they're already scholarship players and, you know, they're already this, they're already that. It doesn't make sense. You know, I think our kids are very open to the challenge. And I think on game day, I feel like they're going to be ready to play. And, um, you know, we might play some styles that we haven't played before. And that's, you know, to make the game in our advantage. And I think I think it'll all work out in the end. And again, Nick, without giving up, you know, too much of the playbook and obviously giving up, you know, uh, strategies and philosophies. What what kind of game do you guys want to play? Uh, you know, as far as if if people have never seen you before, or maybe because we're Division Two, we've captured a lot more interest, and people are going to be watching us for the first time. What kind of basketball can we promise to people who've never seen us before? The kind of game that we want to play, the you know our our kind of favorite tempo, things like that. If if you were to categorize how Staten Island wants to play basketball, how would you categorize, categorize uh, that? Just play free. Just uh, every play, just have have knowledge of what you're going to do before you get the ball and when you get the ball make the right play there we don't have a lot of sets we don't have a lot of set plays we have a lot of you know put the kid in the position and make them do what is the right play so if it's you know dribble the ball down the lane jump stop and kick it out to the corner we try to make it simple we try to show them what we want them to do and honestly it's on them we 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 don't run a whole lot of you know, dynamic plays and, and a lot of the things are just putting the kids in the right spot and hopefully they make the right play. So, uh, you know, our saying is play free. Just, you know, don't worry about this. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about standing right here. Don't worry about standing right there. It's more just, you know, get up and down, let the ball move. Don't let the ball stick to your hands and, and, and play free. So I think um, for, you know, future recruits and stuff like that, uh, we're, we're looking for high IQ players that can move the ball and, and want to play as a team. And, you know, you get the best advantages when the ball moves and you get the defense moving, you go right past somebody. So I think our kids are really grasping that it took a little bit at the beginning, but I think, um, our style is kind of based on TJ because that's the way he played. And, and he's, he was a coach on the floor before he became a coach. And now that he's a coach, I feel like he has a lot of trust in the kids and, you know, just put them in the right spot, tell them what you would like them to do. And, you know, you take advantage of each kid's talent and you just try to put them in the right spot and let them play free. And you guys have never really shied away from playing, you know, great programs. You've kind of welcomed them in, them in for the Tournament of Heroes, uh, you know, for many years. And now, obviously, with the addition of a lot of Division Two and a lot of high-end Division Two schools yeah. uh, to be, you know, this team never shies away from talent. And I, I always tell friends and family of mine of just how spoiled I am to really be a part uh, of programs that win a lot. I mean, we, you know, 
it, most people know that, it, especially in college sports, things are cyclical. You're always going to have kind of a down year and you hope by the time those freshmen or seniors, it's going to get better. But we we rarely ever lose at, at CSI. And so, you know, I know just looking at your playing career and then coming on board and all we've done is win. You know, TJ comes to the College of Staten Island. He plays in two championships as a player, comes on board, you know, assistant at Baruch. They win. He's now a head coach, wins his first season. Kurt was a part of the Sweet 16 team here. You know, um, so, you know, you kind of wonder, does this team kind of, are they prepared to ever lose? You know, are they prepared to ever have a down season? And most people at face value will take a look and say, well, it's the same kind of roster than they were at Division Three. They're now heading to Division Two. This team should expect to lose some games. I kind of know the real story. They never intend to lose any games. But how do you kind of you know, traverse that landscape where people are either expecting you to have a down year or maybe you think, hey, you know, we might lose a couple of games this year. You know, how do we kind of navigate? Is that something that you even think about as coaches about having potentially a down year with the move? Or is it just all systems go? We expect to win and we're going to win. Well, first, you didn't have to bring up TJ at Baruch. That's, <laughs> I try to forget about those years. Right, right. right. Um, no. And especially them winning. But um I think um, our kids are really um, looking forward to the year and the tough schedule. And, and we've always brought it on. Like as, as freshmen come in, it's, it's, we don't, we don't lose. Like that's not who we are and that's not what the program's ever been. So um, we always tell the kids a lot about the program's past. And, you know, we have the alumni game every year where the guys come back and talking to all of them, it's, it's a winning program. And I think the kids really buy into that. I think they get it their freshman year. I think when they come in, you might be a little shell-shocked at the beginning of how the older guys treat it and how the alumni treat it. But, um, again, it's a big family. There's still a lot of people around in the building that have played. So I think you see it. Like, you see Blucci around the building all the time. You know, Will comes around. Frankie comes around. Khalid comes around. So I think um, that's kind of what feeds into it is just those guys being around and, and, and being that whisper in your ear. You know, when Christian first came in, you have Frankie and you have Vinny telling them the whole time we, we just don't lose it's not what we do so I think through the years our older guys are always really good at at setting the tone of that and uh, I don't think we're going to have a down year I think it's going to be very tough and I think it's going to be different um, we're still trying to figure out you know the whole division two style and I think it's a huge challenge on the team I think it's a huge challenge on us but again we never shy away and as a coaching staff we never go into any game whether it's Fordham this year, Stony Brook last year, Wagner. I mean, we don't go in saying, you know, well, if we get a moral victory, we'll be happy. Like, that's not really what we think, and that's not really what we game plan for. So we treat Division One games in the past as the same we treat the Division Three game. I mean, we always say it, we're Kentucky, we're Duke, we're North Carolina. Like, that's the way we treat this program, and we prepare for everybody the same, and we just hope for the best outcome in the end. And Luckily, we've been on the good outcome through my career, but we're excited for this year, and we think we could really make some noise with the uh, kids we have now. Great. And Dave mentioned the outside perception that it may be a challenging year. You mentioned how challenging it could be for your players entering the Division II provisional period. How do you sell prospective student-athletes on joining the program and making the College of Staten Island their home moving forward? Well, anyone who comes in is, is literally going to be the face of the program because they're going to be who everybody remembers is who started this program. Uh, the kids that we have now, um, you know, a lot of them are older, so they're not going to be around for the whole transition of getting into the NCAA tournament at the Division II level. So the kids that we're bringing in, you know, for this class coming in and the class after that 
are really going to be the face of the program. So um, I think, you know, anyone who who um, thinks that they can take that task on is uh, is a good fit for us. And, and anyone who's going to shy away from it isn't. So I think, you know, selling them on on you're going to be the face of this program and that, you know, um, going forward, you're always going to come back and you're going to be alumni like we have. So I think um, it's 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 an easy sell, and I think our coaching staff is very good at recruiting, and very good at relating to kids. So I think that that really helps on this level. I think we just show a lot of confidence in kids that we're confident in. And I think that really brushes off on them. So, so Nick, um, you know, final question for us, and then we'll we'll let you have the final word and whatever you want us to know about the season coming in is. You know, what what makes this season a success for you? I mean, every I ask this question to all of our coaches before the season, but, you know, um, every coach wants to go 25 and 0, 30 and 0, win championships, uh, postseason honors, the whole nine yards. But in order for you to step away at the end of the season and say, you know what, that was a great year for us. What has to happen? What do we need to accomplish? Um, I think I think we can, and and it would be nice to win a couple of Division two games. Um, I think again, competing in everyone. Um, you know, we're not looking to get blown out and just say, oh, well, they're a division two team and, and try to use that as an excuse. I think, um, we can compete and we should compete in every game. So if we feel like we competed and the score doesn't match that, I feel like we'll be okay with that. Um, I think, I think again, like we can pull out a couple of those games and I think they're going to be very tough, but I think the group of kids we have, the coaching staff, we have the strategies we can put together. I think we have a real good shot at that. And then towards the end of our schedule, I think, you know, our kids are going to treat the, the CUNY regular season since we can't make it to the postseason as, you know, win it all or, or, or win nothing, you know. So I think they're going to look at it and, you know, we're looking at it as a coaching staff that this is our last time around. You know, we, we really don't want to lose a game. And I feel like that's how we've treated it every year. So it's not like we really have to change our tone or change our momentum towards that part of the season. I think the kids will really, you know, jump in and buy into just, you know, this is the last time around and it's important to go out, you know, with your head held high and, and go out the way we've been playing all these years instead of, you know, having a down year for no reason, because I don't think it should be a down year at all. And I don't see it being a down year. Well, Nick, we want to thank you for taking the time to meet with us, talk a little bit uh, about the season. We do want to let you have the final word, though. So for anybody here who's listening, looking to get like, uh, you know, a little um, a little preview on what the season's going to hold, perhaps and people who haven't followed CSI in the past are now interested now, um, you know, w- w- what do you want people to know about your program what do you want people to uh, to expect in 1920 for you guys? Uh, just competitive basketball all year. Um, I think we have the the right guys. Um, I think the the way they're they're playing and clicking together on the court. I think it's going to be a fun brand of basketball to watch. Uh, we want to get up and down the court. We want them to take you know open shots if they're open. You know just let it go and play free. I think um, our our defensive. Uh, our defensive strategies this year might be be a little different, but uh, we're all learning. Um, I think we're really going to put together something to help us compete, and I think it's going to be very, very fun to watch. Whether it's it's a win or a loss, our games are always very competitive. We always bring a lot of energy, and I think it'll be a really good year for somebody to watch. So I think if any recruits are watching and things like that, I think they're going to get a lot from the games on our style and what we can do. And 
you know, I feel like that's kind of a big recruiting tool is how we let our kids play and how much we trust them and the energy we give them on the bench. So I think seeing our games uh, on the live stream or seeing our games live, it's a really cool experience to see, you know, every aspect of it from the kids playing to the coaches coaching, to the energy we have on the bench, to even timeouts. And, and I feel like we're, we're a very unique group. Excellent. Well, we're definitely looking forward uh, to it, Nick. Can't wait to see you guys, uh, you know, roll it out for the first time. And, uh, you know, best of luck. Thank you very much, guys. I appreciate this. No problem. Nick Duran entering uh, fifth season with CSI Basketball, looking for big things to come. Joe and I are going to step aside. When we come back, we will wrap this one up. You're listening to the Dolphin Pod right here on CSIDolphins.com. Stay with us. You're listening to the Dolphin Pod right here on CSIDolphins.com. In NCAA Division II, student-athletes leave a lasting impression on their communities. That's because Division II student-athletes want to make a difference and truly be part of their surrounding communities. Through community engagement, thousands of student-athletes from various backgrounds interact with community members who view them as role models. This interaction leaves a positive and perhaps even life-changing impression on all those involved. In Division II, we rise to the opportunity and make community engagement ours. Welcome back to the Dolphin Pod right here on CSIDolphins.com. And we are back here on the Dolphin Pod, and you just heard our chat with assistant men's basketball coach Nicholas Duran. And Dave, it was a great conversation. And I have to say, he did mention those Welcome to Victory Boulevard shirts. I love those shirts. Would have loved to have one myself. But that aside, we talked about a lot of interesting topics with Nick, and I'm really looking forward to the start of the season and the trip to Florida with the team upcoming next week. Plenty to look forward to here at the College of Staten Island, not only with men's basketball, but with all of our athletic programs. And next week's show will be highlighted by our chat with CSI women's basketball player Megan McEwen. Yeah, you know, I really meant what I said when I when I told Nick that, you know, we've been spoiled at CSI, you know, with the great basketball we have. So many teams, especially in the CUNY, you know, are, are up and down for the most part. But we've been, you know, we've been treated to some great basketball, uh, you know, on the men's side and equally on the women's side. And that has me really excited to talk to Megan next week uh, as well as women's basketball by that time would have tipped off their season and we'll get a pretty good indication of where they are after, you know, first couple of games, how their freshmen are really uh, impacting the team as well. Should be a great time with her and very insightful, just like it was here with Nick. Certainly was. So Dave and I hope that you will join us here next week on the Dolphin Pod. This has been episode two of our CSIDolphins.com weekly podcast. This is the Dolphin Pod. Be sure to join us next week as we chat with women's basketball junior Megan McEwen. You've been listening to The Dolphin Pod. Remember to check us out next week when we bring you a brand new show and check out our archive broadcast throughout the year. If you have questions, comments, would like to be booked on the show or have an idea for a show guest you'd like to see on the show, be sure to leave us feedback and also catch all of our shows right here at csidolphins.com backslash podcast. From all of us here at the College of Staten Island, Thank you for listening to the Dolphin Pod.